Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Welcome to another episode of Tasting Anarchy. I'm your host, Jacob Lindsay, and as always, I am joined by my esteemed co-host, Mason Joseph. And I think we've got a pretty pretty good episode today. Um, yeah. As always, we, <laughs> we always have a pretty good episode. I was actually struggling this week to find topics that I wanted to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. But then I remembered we were doing like a grape of the of the week. And and as I was kind of like just scrolling through wine news, I saw a couple of things I thought were kind of interesting. So uh, we've got a, a full episode. Uh, but be- yeah. before we get into our topics, Mason, what are you sipping on tonight? I had the uh, Migration 2015 Sonoma County Russian River Valley Pinot Noir. Um, so we did... Thanksgiving at my folks' house, and then, you know, we like to do a Friendsgiving and, and that sort of thing. Like, my wife likes to cook Thanksgiving dinner, and we'll take any chance she can to do it. So, we had the neighbors over, and my brother, and then our friend, a mutual friend of ours, her name starts with an L, you know right. what I'm talking about. Yeah, and yeah. Then, um, one of my wife's co-workers stopped by for a little bit, but the friend whose name starts with an L, she brought this over um, to have, you know, my wife asked her to bring a, a wine, so she brought this, um, you know, it's Pinot Noir, so for me, it, it's usually too, too light, like, I, it, it's too delicate, Yeah. Um, so dark ruby in color, almost garnet, um, it smelled like, now, I had a lot to drink on saturday night because we did it on saturday it's sunday tonight so i had a lot to drink so i don't remember how it was fresh out of the bottle unopened you know kind of that smell and everything like that but light red wine Mm -hmm. delicate pinot noir favor kind of generic red jammy undertones like for me it's hard to place um but i know there's more to it you know what i mean like yeah my wife tried it she really liked it she has a really strong sense of taste so i know there's more going on but eh. like pinot noir is one of those things where like i just have to drink like 30 of them in a row mm-hmm. and nothing else yeah. <laughs> to really kind of get what I'm missing there. Cause it's just too delicate right. for me. Um, don't really know what the price was. We didn't set a price point. Um, everything I could find online is 20 to $40. So I don't imagine she spent much more than that. I certainly hope not, uh, just because, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it was, you know, like I like the fact that it was a Russian river, um, out of Sonoma. So, you know, it wasn't, like a uh, Oregon, I thought that was a little different. Yeah, I think we may have done this one before. You may have done one of them before, maybe not this varietal, but um, yeah, it was it was pretty good. My wife definitely enjoyed it. I I definitely didn't dislike it. Um, but you know, to me, it's just kind of generic red wine. Yeah, I might, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and search the label because I, I'm curious to see if I've had. That. I do like Russian River Valley stuff. I usually don't get Russian River Pinot Noir though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I think we had, like at one point we may have just done like a Pinot Noir to do one. That's true, and that's where I was coming up with that. Let's see images. Let's see what it looks like. Honestly, it does look familiar. Uh, yeah. So the, I'm labeled just for listeners. It's got uh, ducks or some sort of birds mm-hmm. that are waterfowl. Waterfowl, yeah, that are like flying at, for migration. I guess uh, it does look. It looks very nice. A very very pleasant looking bottle. Yeah, it looks familiar, nice. but I, again, you know, I mean, it's it's generic enough looking. It looks like a Pinot Noir bottle. So, yeah. um, and it's fourteen point one percent alcohol by volume. Okay, yeah, well, that sounds pretty good. Uh, I have something a little bit different that I don't normally drink, 
uh, I bought six bottles of this particular rosé that I'm drinking. <laughs> yeah, it's called uh, man. It, it's a, it's a it's a Tuscan rosé, so it's called Belgardo Mar Marema Marema Toscana Rosata 2016. So you, if you want to try that, Mason, you can. Uh, Belgarado Marima Toscano Rosato. Okay, yeah. So it's how I would pronounce it. Yeah, I mean that sounds that sounds close enough. Uh, it's a rosé of Syrah and Sangiovese. Uh, it's thirteen point five percent alcohol by volume. It it retails for thirteen dollars a bottle. Uh, I got it on Last Bottle Wines for eight dollars, which is why I bought six. So <laughs> uh, free shipping for buying six in this case. Uh, and so I was like, no, oh, you know what? I, I'd like to branch out a little bit into rosés. If I recall, I think Elizabeth at Wine for Normal People had done an episode on rosé, and I was like, "What?" I was like, "Well, you know what? She's she's hasn't steered me wrong so far. Like, she's gotten me into whites a lot more than when you and I lived in Virginia." And uh, I was like, "Well, I'll I'll go ahead and try this." The 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 grapes were interesting to me. I mean, uh, Syrah and Sangiovese rosé. I mean, you can make rosé out of pretty much anything. It's a technique. So, mm-hmm. uh, I thought this would be kind of a cool one. It's Italian. It's a little bit different. Uh, so color, color wise, it's a light red. Uh, maybe you would describe this as salmon in color. Uh, smell, it's a raspberry and strawberry taste, acidic tart, uh, which acidic and tart, I think might be similar tastes. Uh, this is not like the. It's more like tart, like a lemon tart, and less mm-hmm. like a, like a lemon. So more like it's like sh- sort of like the sweet tartness, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's a dry. It's a dry rosé, so it's not actually sweet. It's just it has. It's reminiscent of that. Uh, there's also uh, raspberry flavor, strawberry. I think like I said, orange peel, but this is like I guess orange zest. Like you know how like when you're making something, you have you like yeah great I know yeah that yeah chemistry. yeah. It's, it's like that kind of thing. Um, it has a much heavier mouthfeel than I would have expected from a rosé, but I also don't drink a lot of rosés, so I don't know. So, like, you know how, like, with a lot of Pinot Noirs, they have a very light mouthfeel? This, I would have expected to be kind of along those lines, or like a, uh, a Pinot Grigio or something like that, where it's usually, like, a very lighter mouthfeel. This actually has a fairly heavy mouthfeel, which I thought was interesting and surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, so my conclusion is that it's very refreshing. It's very easy drinking. I don't think it's overly complex. It's probably not something that I would like normally choose on my own. Uh, but for $8 a bottle, it's not bad at all. Even for $13 a bottle, I think it's very good. And I could imagine myself like you and your wife over and maybe we pour this like on the on the porch or whatever on like a hot day in the shade kind of thing where like mm-hmm. it's just – it's hot. It's it's refreshing, cool. Now, granted, it's it's kind of cold in Dallas right now. It's like 50, so – which I mean, for Dallas is cold, so I know exactly what you. Yeah, mean. so it's yeah. like this is not exactly what I want for tonight, but I can see this being very good for a a hot summer evening. Good. So yeah, I I liked it. Hmm? Not bad at all. Um, you wanna, so okay. Now here's here's my question for that. Okay. How soon will you open any of the other bottles? Well, ro- yeah, I mean, rosés. You're you're supposed. Well, one of the one of the bottles is earmarked for you, so I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna be sending it to you, and I, and you and I will do this one again together. Okay. Uh, I, j- I thought it'd be kind of neat for me to get my impressions now, and then you and I do it together and have my impressions then. Yeah. So that's one reason why I chose it for tonight, because I, I I honestly I it's in the very very back of my 
it's not on my rack. It's in the very back of my cupboard of wine because you know I've got more than I can fit on my racks. So I put mm-hmm. I put this like way in the back. My dogs are fighting in the background. <laughs> uh, I think Mulder's trying to steal Foxy's bully stick. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I think they'll be all right. I think Foxy's done with the bully stick, anyways. But uh, so, anyways, I put <laughs> I put it kind of in the back of the thing. I, it's not one that I was planning on drinking, but you're supposed to drink rosés young. So I think probably mm-hmm. what I'll end up doing with this is uh, I'm going to send – I actually have something I'm going to send to my sister, a, a package. And I was thinking I might I might try to get one of these to her just so that I could get her impression. I got something that I want to send to some mutual friends of ours uh, that we're going to be doing an episode of in the, in the future, which uh, – the Peaceful Trees and people who are actually recently on our 104th episode, two-year anniversary – which was funny because I was listening to that episode when you were telling me you were going to go eat cheese before this episode. Oh, funny. And it was, uh, you, we were at the point of you talking about eating cheese. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I have actually pretty good brie that I was gonna, I was like, Oh, I'll try this brie with this, uh, rosé. But, uh, the, so I, I was thinking this is going to be like one of those wines where like, I like it. It's not what I drink. And so I'm probably going to try to give most of it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be your, Hey, give this a try yeah sort of yeah thing. and like just understand that i know it's different it's you're not it's like uh at the friends giving like i had that uh remember that ice wine i told you i got yeah uh, like 18.9 percent dessert wine mm-hmm. i made everybody drink that like but i had them start drinking it before my wife served the pumpkin pie oh interesting and, like it really was like i had had too much to drink to pick out the delicacies of the wine but like Everybody was like, this is good, but like deathly sweet up front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah those dessert wines are intense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's probably what I'm going to end up doing is trying to get rid of it. And then uh, because you will have had it, the Peaceful Treason guys would have probably had it, and Jory, my sister, will have had had it. I think it'll be kind of fun to see how everybody thinks of this one. And then mm-hmm. the beer that I'm sending out to everybody, I'm kind of curious to see how everybody responds to that as well. Yeah. So I think that'll be just kind of an interesting, an interesting cross section of people we know who like booze and see what they like. Like Jory actually yesterday called me and she was like, "Hey, I want to dry red wine. What do you recommend?" Because she likes wine, but she doesn't really know very much about it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, "Well, do they have freak show?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, but they they didn't actually have freak show. So I so they had a she was I don't know what grocery store she was at, but she said they had fairly limited selection they had gnarly head and you and i've had the gnarly head cabernet sauvignon mm-hmm. it was pretty good and yeah, so i was wine. yeah yeah exactly and it's cheap so i said well go over that i think that's like 15 dollars or something like that a bottle and, and i guess they had it on sale so she got it for real cheap uh mm-hmm. so uh yeah so i think it'll be kind of neat like that was sort of a side story that is totally irrelevant <laughs> but yeah yeah that's that's what i plan so, to do with this so just to answer your to, like i guess some of your question your question was uh, how quickly do you think I'll drink this? I'm going to try to get rid of it before it gets too old because it's already a 2016, uh, which is a, or a, tw- uh, a two, did I say 16 or 15? Yeah, 16. You said 16. Yeah, it's already a 2016, so it's uh, it's already a little bit old for a rosé. Not terribly old. I mean, it's not like, just because 2016 doesn't mean it's bad. It's just usually rosés are made to drink young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the other one I mentioned was the church... Uh, Chantham Vineyards on Church Creek, uh, late harvest red dessert wine. Mm. So 
If you, uh, if you have a link for that, go ahead and throw it in the notes, and I'll put it up there. Uh, yeah, they don't have a link to their like individual bottles, okay. but I'll just link to the the total um, their total page. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, definitely. Like it's one of those like fun little places to go in Virginia. Okay. Um, so yeah. Um, so speaking of people and stuff and things. Did you all know we do an annual event in Texas? It's called Childerberg. It's going to be the 23rd through the 26th of 2020. It's going to be happening concurrent and partial with the Libertarian National Convention. So if you're joining Scott Horton or Tom Woods to uh, try to take over the, uh, I wanted to say, the, yeah, the LNC basically. Yeah. Um, come out and visit us. You know, we'll be in Austin. They're going to be in, well, I don't know if Tom's going to be in Austin. I know. Uh, Scott will be in Austin because he lives in Austin. Um, so we're going to be out there having fun. Uh, some of us will be going to the convention, I'm assuming, because uh, there's going to be a big push for the people within our uh, our circles, or at least the podcasters who are the higher levels of our circles, going to be pushing people to be delegates and stuff like that. So I'm sure there will be plenty of people who will be traveling back and forth between the two. We'll be probably bringing people back and forth between the two. But it is a fun time. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of peaceful treasons, where we actually got to meet those guys, uh, Friends Against Government, uh, the word on the street is both of them are going to be there. Uh, that'll be fun. And then there's just a plethora of other fantastic podcasters and podcast adjacent people who will be out there hanging out yeah yeah i'm I'm even looking into the possibility of being a delegate even though i'll be running childerberg so (laughs) uh i i mean i i i joined the national party which i guess i wasn't a part of apparently i'm still a lifetime member of the virginia party but i've got to figure out how to do the texas party it seems like they do it on a county level so i'll talk to the the county guy here in Dallas County and see what, mm. see what they're doing. So yeah, it, it, uh, Childerberg is going to be a lot of fun. Even if you don't care about what's going on with the LNC, uh, we're going to, Mason and I will be there. We'll probably have some, some good wine with us and mm-hmm. it's just a fun time. There'll be some, uh, Nikki P is going to be playing. Uh, we've got some comedy that's going to, some stand up comedy that there, that'll be done live there. And there's just a lot of people, you know, one of the reasons that we started Childerberg was that, uh, I think that sometimes when you're when you're like an internet person, I don't know how else to say that, you kind of start getting isolated. So even even like when you have very niche interests, like I talk to people at work about wine all the time and they don't know what I'm talking about. And yeah. if you are liberty-leaning or even if you're not, you're just kind of curious about liberty and you want to come down to Texas, there'll be people that you can talk to wine about there. I'll be there. Mason will be there. I'm going to try to get Jackson Blood to come out because he's my buddy. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, we haven't seen him in person, although I'm trying to get, I'm, I'm thinking about going out to Seattle in a, in a couple of months too, although it'll probably be after the LNC. So if I can't get him down there then, but there'll be a lot of wine people there and I'm trying to look into getting some Texas wine people to come and just teach some people about Texas wine. And yeah. we'll see, we'll see what all, what Austin, the city of Austin lets us do. Cause they're kind of, they're not being jerks. They're just being unresponsive, which is difficult. So, yeah. Uh, well, they've got the whole, you know, Libertarian National Convention to deal with. That's, that's <laughs> so, true. That's true. So, uh, yeah, anyways. That- com. if you want more information, uh, you sign up for the newsletter. I'm sure there's links for shirts still. A uh, whole bunch of different stuff there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I got, I got to take down the links for shirts because I think that we're done with that. Um, but anyways, okay. Uh, let's go ahead and get back into the rest of the show. Do you? We did mention Virginia as uh, mm-hmm. as your ice wine being something good to do. In Virginia, do you want to go ahead and get into our article that references Virginia, or do you want to go ahead and talk about the grape of the day? 
Well, let's talk about the grape of the day. All right. So the grape I chose, I chose this because we just finished um, Thanksgiving. And I actually mm-hmm. I actually recommended to several people um, Beaujolais Nouveau, uh, not Beaujolais Nouveau, Beaujolais Village uh, as a great wine to pair with smoked turkey. And my first recommendation is Pinot Noir, which is what you had. Did you guys have turkey or did you have something else? Uh, we had turkey. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I thought I think turkey goes really well with Pinot Noir. I also think it goes really well with Beaujolais. It also goes really well with Blau Frankish. That's you know my opinion. And uh, but I was I was recommending to a lot of people Beaujolais uh, Village because it's cheap and it's pretty easy to get. And while I was kind of thinking about that, I was like, you know what? Let's go ahead and do Gamay, which is the grape in Beaujolais Village usually in in the red. Uh, and we can kind of like talk a little bit about that. So I'll go ahead and give the summary of this grape because it's kind of an interesting history and uh, an interesting grape. It produces good wine that's also very inexpensive. And mm-hmm. um, so anybody who's interested in this style of wine, this is a good one to get. You can you can actually get these at like uh, Total Wine for like twelve bucks, and they're they're quite good. So and actually, my sister got got it for her. Uh, Thanksgiving with her boyfriend's family and his uh, mom, I guess, used to work in California winery, and she was actually very impressed by this as well. She hadn't had it before. So, mm, nice. yeah, yeah, she had uh, – I I'll, I can look it up later, but she, she had one of the ones that I recommend. I've actually reviewed it on one of the episodes, so maybe I'll throw that in the show notes as well. Uh, so, anyways, it's a purple grape. It's uh, the child of Pinot Noir and Gouy Blanc, and uh, it is the genetic sibling of Chardonnay. Which is kind of hmm. yeah, it's kind of interesting. And uh, but Pinot Noir and Gouy Blanc, they had multiple kids, and one of them is Chardonnay, one of them is Gamay. Um, so use it says uh, used most notably in Beaujolais, and my autocorrect changes to Lear Valley, but it's a Loire Valley uh, and Tours uh, history. It's so this is thought to have come from the village of Gamay, south of I don't know how to say this. In 1360, so I guess it's Buen Buene. Uh, it is definitely a, uh, I would say it's a Burgundian grape varietal, but it has not been very well favored in Burgundy. Now Beaujolais is south of Burgundy. It's it's I think I could be wrong on this. Maybe Jackson will listen to this episode and be able to correct me on this. I think that technically Beaujolais is part of Burgundy, but it's hmm. it does its own thing. So it's it's kind of its own thing. So. Uh, Gamay replaced Pinot Noir in the region after the Black Death killed a bunch of people. One of the reasons why it, it replaced it is that Pinot Noir can can be kind of... Um, temperamental. Yeah, exactly. Temperamental. It's very tricky to grow. Gamay, on the other hand, is very vigorous. It grows very easily, and it ripens early. So, you know, when you have a lot of people dying, and you can kind of... It ripening early is very helpful because it's not co- coinciding with anything else, and so you can get a lot of laborers to help harvest. But also, um, it's just not as it's not as temperamental. You don't have to go in and take as much care of it. So they were growing a lot of this during the Black Death, and then about forty years later, uh, the Duke of Bur- Burgundy, known as Philippe the Bold, uh, outlawed it because it was uh, taking up too much space that could be uh, producing Pinot Noir. And he, he, he called it a disloyal grape. So whatever that means, I don't know. But, but it was, he, didn't, he didn't like it, and so they outlawed it in Burgundy. And then a few years later, uh, one of his successors, uh, <coughs> Philip the Good, 
or Felipe, I guess it would be. So P H I L L I P P E. Is that Felipe or Philip? Yeah, I'm. I think it's still Philip. Okay, it looks weird to me, but uh, well, yeah, it's it's weird spelling. Yeah. So so Philip the Good uh, issued more edicts against Gamay because quote the Dukes of Burgundy are known as the lords of the best wine in Christendom. We will maintain our reputation. End quote. So they did not like the wine that was produced by Gamay, um, but but and and that's because it wasn't. It's not as so. I mean, just because because this is the best way to describe it, it's not as noble as Pinot Noir. So you, you know, you were talking about Pinot Noir being a little bit difficult for you to identify. Mm-hmm. Beaujolais is a much more accessible uh, style of wine. So Gamay being very very bold, very fruity, also can be turned into wine very young, and it's good wine young. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like one of those things where it's, you know, it's it's interesting because Pinot Noir, I love Pinot Noir, but I think that like Beaujolais, Gamay style wine, like wines with Gamay in it are also just easier. I, I don't, it, mm-hmm. it, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, this is more accessible to probably a wider variety of people. Mm-hmm. Which isn't necessarily good or bad, right? And and it also just goes with. I've actually been like fighting with this lately because like I'm putting on like quite a bit of size when it comes to like lifting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm also getting fat again, which is not <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily good. And it, a lot of it is because of what's available for the holidays. So we had uh, we had our own uh, Thanksgiving thing at work, and they provided multiple turkeys and multiple hams. Mm-hmm. And then we just had ham and turkey at work for several days. And that's not a problem. I could have ham and turkey for several days, no problem. The problem was we also had mashed potatoes for several days. We had, uh, uh, well, you, this is not your favorite, macaroni and cheese for several days. Tons of stuffing, tons of this other stuff. And, like, I was pretty good. I stuck to the ham and stuff like that. But I've also noticed that, like, this time of year, people are bringing in a lot of stuff that I should not be eating. Mm-hmm. And I think it's 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 showing like I am heavier, I am more muscular, but I'm also like my stomach's getting fatter, and <laughs> uh, and also like I'm not I'm not as young as I once was. I'm thirty, almost thirty three. I'll be thirty three in a couple of months. So like it's, this is something I got to kind of nip in the bud right now. But Beaujolais to kind of tie this back into Beaujolais. Beaujolais goes with so many things because it mm-hmm. because it's so accessible. It goes with pretty much everything smoked. It's very very fruity. It really just it just goes with a ton of stuff. It's it's a very fruity, very accessible wine. So uh, anyway, so now nowadays it is uh, mostly made in Beaujolais. Our Gamay is mostly planted in Beaujolais, but also other notable regions are the Loire Valley in France, uh, which makes my favorite Cabernet uh, Cabernet Franc, uh, Niagara Peninsula in New York, hmm. and uh, Willamette Valley in Oregon. Also, seventeen percent of Switzerland. Uh, the under vine is Gamay, which is interesting. It's also that is interesting. yeah. I didn't know this. Apparently, they recommend Swiss Gamay um, quite a bit. It's very difficult to get in the United States, but it is possible to get it. So that's one that we might check out at some point. It's also uh, one of my favorite European countries is uh, Liechtenstein, and Liechtenstein has quite a bit of it un- under vine uh, of their of what's under vine for them. So interesting. Yeah. So that because it's very hardy. It's it's cold hardy. It's also uh, it just grows well. It's just easy to grow. So like a lot of those places that that are not necessarily the best grape-growing regions in the world grow Gamay because it's easy. Uh, so why doesn't Texas grow Gamay? 
Uh, it's probably too hot here would be my guess. Huh. But uh, who knows? You know, I'm going to look it up. Maybe Texas does do gamay. <laughs> Turns out you've missed an entire <laughs> section of Texas. Yeah, one. it's very yeah, it's very possible. So, any thoughts on gamay, Mason? Um, I know we. Here's the thing: is like I feel like every holiday season somehow we end up talking about gamay and just not remembering it. Oh yeah, okay. Because um, a lot of this somewhat sounds familiar, but. Like, I think it's also one of those ones I may have looked up at one time randomly and was like, oh, do you know anything about this? And then, you know, we went off on our standard tangent sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's it's one of those ones I want to get some stuff from it and, you know, kind of try it out because it, it definitely sounds pretty fun. Yeah. You know, if you, if you, I can actually, I can probably tell you what it is. Give me, give me two seconds. You can fill the void if you want. I'm going to tell you what I recommended to my sister. That she gotcha. that she liked a lot. It's in the chat, so I can just pull up the chat. Uh, I'm just, uh, so while he's trying to pull it up, I'm actively trying not to cough into the microphone because we are getting over the first of the school year plagues that my daughter has managed to bring home, which is always fun. So always a good time. Actually, I want I want I want to talk about <laughs> two two yeah two <laughs> things that that I recommend. So I recommended to uh, Jesse. It's fourteen dollars at Total Wine. If you buy six, you get a discount. Um, it's a uh, holy crap! I can never say any of this stuff. But it's a uh, Deb Deb Debune Special Selection Beaujolais Village. So the, the Beaujolais Village is it's it's spelled villages. So but they mm-hmm. they say village. This is it's it's super cheap. It's super delicious. Mason, if you can get this, I'm gonna I'll I'll, I'll message it to you at some point. Yeah. Um. Actually, I'll put it in the show notes because I want I want everybody to check it out. It's uh, very good. I, I like this one a lot. I've actually gotten it several times just because it, it is it, – it's different though. It, it is – it's so jammy. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think it was a European. Huh. And it's uh, – it's, it's just very good. It goes really, really well with like barbecue, like smoked things, things that are like cooked on the grill or like smoked. Um. Gotcha. So I think you would actually probably like this a lot because you you eat a lot of that kind of food. No, I don't eat as much as I used to. Oh no, okay. No, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, so like, I put it in the show notes I get here. The, I get the recommendation. How would you say this first word that I put in the show notes? Debune. De uh, let me take a look. Do, do, do. I highlighted it. Debune. De oh man, that's the same as that village south of, but it's like you know bow. Yeah, yeah, it's like like de, de Boine, de, de Boone, de Boone, de Boone. Yeah, D E B E A U N E. Yeah, those who can pronounce things right that Jacob and I cannot. Yeah, <laughs> so I recommended that one. I thought that was very. I think that one's very good, and it's cheap. Uh, the other one that I recommended, most people are not going to be able to get this, but there is a Zinfandel from El Dorado that I think is quite good. Uh, it's called Shadow Ranch. Uh, the 2008 is available in some of the total wines, not all of them, mostly in the California total wines, but I, it, I've gotten this one here. Uh, it's called uh, Shadow Ranch Zinfandel Reserve. Uh, it's very good. Also, very jammy, very fruit forward. Goes really, really well with um, with smoked things. And kind of the last one that like I recommended for to go with turkey was this. Uh, no, that was Shadow Ranch. Where was the? I recommended also a um, a Rhone Village that I thought was super awesome. 
Actually, I, I actually I think I might have recommended it to you. Yeah, that or I probably reviewed this on the show because it was it's like it's like ten dollars a bottle. Mm-hmm. It's a Domaine du Mistral Grigan Les Adhar. I cannot say this at all. Uh, <laughs> crap, this is a difficult thing to say. So it's Domaine du Mistral Grignan Les Ad Hamar. You see that? Domain du Mistral Gurgan Les Demir? Yeah, that maybe that's that's maybe that's correct. Yeah. I know it's not correct. <laughs> it just might be no. slightly closer. I'll link to that too. This is very good too. It's like it's like tastes like licorice. It's like it's it well, you don't like licorice? it's one of those things like I don't dislike it, but I don't ever seek it out. Mm. Okay, this was a big hit there too because I thought this was like I actually got this for one of Elizabeth's classes, and like I risked it. I was like, I'm gonna get this even though it's like it's it's ten bucks, and it turned out to be like one of my favorite of the discount French wine class. Yeah, you, I remember you talking about this one. Yeah, I was like, holy crap, this is good. And I ended up getting a whole bunch of Rhone as a result of this in my last big last bottle of wines purchase. Yeah, I think that I was gonna say. I think this is where your recent Rhone kick came from. That's right. Cause I think you and I were talking about this because I was like, I don't know why I bought so much Rhone, and I think this. <laughs> I think this is the reason why. <laughs> it's because of this. <laughs> and I actually had one. I had a. I had one of the Rhones from France that I had. It was a Rhone Village, completely different than this. It was the. <laughs> It was the most tannic wine I have ever tasted. It was so tannic, even I didn't care for it. Oh man! On the first glass, and then mm. and then I and then I was like, you know what? I'll cork it, or I'll put the little vacuum sealer on it, and I'll and I'll leave it for a couple of days. And when I opened it back up, it was it was much better. It was much more fruit forward. Had a lot of like spices in it. It was very spicy, so it, it was very good. But uh, good. yeah, it, it was it's interesting that like how like how my mind works. <laughs> <laughs> so yes <laughs> yeah yeah like when i'm like i get on this like kick of something and then i order like an ungodly amount of it yeah but exactly uh, it's like i like this one so i'm gonna buy 30 right yeah i, I have so much roan i actually had a really good i was talking to jackson about it on twitter a really good roan style from washington um that uh I'm not going to look it up because we keep, we keep getting off on these tangents, and I've and I've I've been drinking so much that I probably should not be. Uh, oh, people told me I'm the best on Twitter. Awesome. So, anyways, uh, interesting. Yeah, I was looking it up. I was looking. I was looking it up. So, and actually, we got have Jackson on too because he's been having like he's been sharing bottles and stuff that he's had with me lately. And mm-hmm. if you get if you get Twitter and are able to sign into the Tasting Anarchy uh, Twitter, look at look at our chats. And see see the wines that um, Jackson's been sharing because he's got like several that I think will be more appealing to you. So he had like a, a Gruner Veltner, Veltner uh, Gruner Veltner. Is that uh-huh. am I pronouncing that correctly? It's a white German Friedel. Uh, I don't. You might be, but I might not be thinking of the right one. It might be Gruner Veltliner. That might be the correct pronunciation. Gruner Veltliner. Um, and then he also had a. Um, uh, I can't remember what the other one was, but I'll, I'll come. I'll, we'll we'll move on because like I'm I'm totally yeah. getting off on other tangents because wine is an exciting thing for everybody who's listening, and it's very easy for me to go like way off on tangents about yeah what people have been sharing with me, what you know what exists <laughs> in the world. And 
and you know any talk to any chance to talk about jackson blood if not talk to him is always something that we're gonna do that's true he's he's a cool cat and he he's actually he does a great job with uh what's going on over in that part of america like he he's a cool he's a cool cat uh okay but you know speaking though of gamay i i got an article that i did a very basic summary of for um us on this episode (laughs) that has to do with gamay and that is uh i don't know if you were aware of this i wasn't aware of it until i read this article that apparently this is this is where i think we came up with gamay the last time oh that could be we actually did reference this and this may have been before you actually left oh that's possible like i i feel like we've discussed this concept before and us both been like that's really weird. We should try this, and then, yeah, <laughs> into yeah. the void. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably true. So I, apparently, France has an annual nationwide party where they celebrate the first wine of the year, and it turns out the first wine of the year happens to be Gamay because it ripens early, and so they're able to start fermentation very quickly, and because uh, Gamay style wines, Beaujolais, and things from Loire are intended to be drunk very young it's released now so uh we're we're actually toward the end of the year now so like it's they're done and they're ready to be released and so they're starting to have their celebrations um on the west coast apparently they've also had this but it's more you know we don't have as much of like an alcohol culture as europe and uh you and i've discussed not the same yeah. alcohol culture because yeah. there's definitely an alcohol culture, but it's not the like oh it's the first bottle of wine mm-hmm. you know for this production year. It's more like get blackout drunk time now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and so I, I guess yeah, I guess that's true. It's we do have we just have a very different culture when it comes to that. So when the West Coast says that they have had this tradition as well, it's more like limited to uh like winos like not winos but like wine snobs people who are, who kind of like go into oh, go no it's just wine wine industry adjacent yeah yeah exactly like, like people who are very into that like it was actually yeah. it was very interesting to go to um the harvest with uh rowdy bolin is because there, mm-hmm. there were several people there who were there to harvest and they and they did a good job and all that sort of stuff but one of the things that was interesting is that they were very they were very interested in what was going on in the wine industry in Texas in particular, but they weren't like wine. They didn't own a vineyard. They weren't like involved in the industry or anything, but they knew like it was, it's kind of like following sports almost. It's like, mm-hmm. they were like, Oh, well this guy did this. And then like, he's like doing this other thing. And then this guy, he doesn't like that guy. And so it's, it's kind of like gossipy. And for, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, it's like, it's like, middle it's like middle-aged white women <laughs> so like it's like they've got like a whole gossip thing going on with the wine industry mm-hmm. uh that was what i experienced in in that area which i thought was very interesting and that is interesting. It, it is it is it's like it's like these are ladies who are they probably worked but they probably their their work was kind of like we, we know these people they're they're like ladies who are able to retire because their husbands did fairly well and they and they retire in their late their late fifties, early sixties, and they don't really have a huge amount going on or they may still work, but it's like, it's kind of like light work. And then they, they own a company that doesn't necessarily need them. Yeah, exactly. So they're just kind of like, they just sort of, this is one of the things that they use to fill their life. And 
now granted they're great to listen to because they know everybody and everything and now granted you have to kind of like sift through that as well because there's a mm. lot of gossip but uh that's one of the things i kind of manage so th- that's the type of people i envisioned like being like oh it's gamma day in california let's go out to the winery and with my girls and we'll like do this like i don't really see you and i going out to gamma day unless like our plans like come to fruition and we end up making like a billion dollars or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, and this is the thing is like, I could see us doing that, but it being in France being like, it's gamma day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're in France. Right. Or like, or it would be like, it's gamma day on our vineyard. Yeah. That we own and operate. So like, that, like that's what I could see. I could see more of that along. Like it, it's just an interesting. So anyways, the West coast apparently has had sort of this thing, sort of thing going on. And the East coast has been kind of lacking that until, uh, Virginia is apparently now starting to put gamay in. And, uh, there's one particular vineyard. Can you, can you read this? I'm going to highlight it. It's, a uh, and key and Kita. Yeah. Yeah. And Kita Ridge winery has introduced gamay. Uh, it's in the high blue Ridge mountains. And apparently, uh, they're they've already they're already pretty well acclaimed for Pinot Noir because they have the correct microclimate for it, and they went ahead and introduced Gamay as well, and so they're starting to kind of, inc- I guess, encourage people to come out and uh, try their Gamay, which is largely considered lower lower quality, but they're apparently doing it quite well, and it's gaining a lot of attention. So yeah, like I remember reading the article and mm-hmm. like them kind of like talking up how like because of where they were situated like on the high part of the blue ridge and stuff like that and (coughs) excuse me (coughs) oh wow um all that and then like what we were just discussing with like gamay being kind of a easy to do wine and then it's like oh but because we have a climate that's good for you know pin on the war which is finicky and then it's like but yeah, we're going to, you know, it just kind of seems like, wait, I thought game A was supposed to be easy, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Well, and, and you know, this is the thing too, though, about Virginia in general is that it's always been difficult for wine because of the humidity and, yeah. uh, and, and other reasons as well. But like going back even to like Thomas Jefferson, they've been trying to do wine there well for a very long time and it took modern technology to be able to really make it so that they could grow grapes correctly and and grow them I, I don't know if sustainably is the correct thing, but have a consistent product that grows year to year. Yeah, and and not have like a just a fungal rot. Exactly, yeah. So that was one of the things that was interesting taught when I went out to the wine event in DC that there were several Virginia growers there and that's one of the things that they were talking about too is they they said, you know, there's this big kind of push for natural wines and uh, you know biodynamic and all that sort of stuff, and that's just not really a possibility in Virginia. Uh, we do kind of need to spray for fungus. We do need to spray spray for certain types of pests on certain years. Now they try to do it sparingly. Uh, they're not mm-hmm. they're not just like dousing their grapes in chemicals or whatever. But uh, one of the benefits of modern technology is that we are able to get a consistent product out of uh, places that we wouldn't otherwise be able to. And mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with spraying. There is something wrong with spraying and it killing like basically everything. So being able to kind of 
keep an eye on it, spray it, and all that sort of stuff, you're getting these like amazing wines out of Virginia. I mean, world class wines. They're getting awards left and right. It's kind of it's difficult to get them out of Virginia, but uh, you know, Cap- the Cabernet Franc from from Green Hill. Uh, vineyard which is the one that like kind of turned me on to Cabernet Franc but then like at this wine event that I went to that Elizabeth put on the Cabernet Francs from Virginia were just like every single one of them did a Cabernet Franc and they were all so good but Mm -hmm. then also like New York the Finger Lakes region all did Cabernet Francs too and they were so different than the Virginia ones yeah so it was so it was so cool so Virginia really has a lot to offer I think that this Gamay um kind of they also mentioned the article that's growing so there there's a lot more Virginia going under uh, acreage for Gamay for people who don't want to have to try to deal with Pinot Noir and mm-hmm. um, and apparently Cabernet Franc is a little bit more difficult too plus high high altitude uh, Blue Ridge Mountains is a little bit more difficult for Cabernet Franc uh, so uh, yeah but it's funny because like high ridge, high altitude Blue Ridge isn't really that high <laughs> that's, that's true it's not that it's not it's not that high but you know there's a, what's really cool about the Blue Ridge is that there's so many very different microclimates Mm-hmm. And this is probably the case with most mountain ranges, but it it seems like that's something they talk a lot more about with the Blue Ridge, is that there is just all of these places where it's like this one, you know, ten by ten mile area is completely different than the rest of it, and yeah. whether that's like you know romanticism or whatever in the wine industry is one thing, but also like we you and I have been out there, and it's it's a cool place. Like there are a lot of different places, you know, you go up a mountain and then you come down the other side and it is different. It's like, Oh, this is interesting. Like it's a, just a completely different area. I've gotten lost up there like three or four times. And I always come out in the same place with the dude who sells sorghum and apple cider. Yeah, exactly. It's like a weird time warp for me up there, but it's like a cool, it's a really cool place. Yeah, it definitely is. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's that article. So if anybody wants to check out that, um, I'll put it in the show notes. I do have one more article. I didn't really do a summary on it, but I, I wasn't sure if we wanted to get to it. But it's, you know, you and I spent a lot of time early on in the show talking about Oregon and like the the kind of like the Oregon wars that are going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought we'd just kind of touch on this. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I read about this on Wine Searcher. I think it's I think it's from a different place, but it's basically uh, do you, you remember kind of what's going on there is that the Willamette Valley Wine Growers Association kind of controls the government when it comes to wine. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of places that are outside of the Willamette Valley who don't want to be represented by them. They're not growing Pinot Noir. They're growing other stuff. Like uh, Troon Vineyards, for example, is growing a lot of other varietals. Uh, remember Jackson was on a couple of episodes ago and he had a wine from Troon Vineyards. It was a, mm-hmm. just a totally different blend. Didn't have any Pinot Noir in it. Uh, just not, not these kind of Burgund- Burgundian style wines. It's not Chardonnay. It's not Pinot Noir. It's other stuff that they're learning grow really well in other areas. So that's kind of the comp- the competition right now. There's other things going on too, like we talked about uh, Copper Cane and like what they're doing there, and like and versus the Willamette Valley Wine Growers Association, and like what the Willamette Valley Wine Growers Association are trying to do with like the hills versus the valley floor, and so on and so forth. So one of the things that's going on right now is um, there's been there's been quite a bit of like upheaval because of the smoke taint. Uh, there was you know several million dollars worth of of, of grapes damaged by smoke from California, and that's kind of like started this whole 
battle because the Willamette Valley didn't really have as much of a problem as other parts of Oregon. And so they're not giving the representation that other parts of Oregon think they're due. And they're also representing a different style of growing than other parts of Oregon. And then there's also parts of the Willamette Valley that don't think they should be part of the Willamette Valley. I'm I'm thinking like Umpqua Valley and um, there's a couple of others. So there is this kind of like upheaval going on. Like Oregon traditionally for the last 30 years or so has been very uh, amicable. Like they've been kind of, they're, they're very chummy. They're very chummy when it comes to like the growers and stuff like that. But there's a little bit of a divide mm-hmm. going on right now. And I think this is a good topic for us because it's the thing that's divide that's building a wedge in between them is government power. Is that the Willamette Valley Wine Growers Association has a lot more power when it comes to the Oregon legislature than these other regions have. And that's kind of what's starting to build a wedge in between them is that the Willamette Valley Wine Growers Association is able to kind of and this is not exactly what the article says. This is my my own editorial, I guess, on it. Is that uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the article. I'm not going to get into all of it because we're getting kind of close to the end of the show. But there's there's a lot of problems that people are seeing, and the Willamette Valley Wine Growers Association sees one solution, and everybody else, which is our growing wine interests, they're not as big yet, but they're growing, and they see it. There's a different solution. And in this case, it's not a one solution fits all. It's a we should all kind of divide up and do our own thing. Where, but when mm-hmm. when you're introducing the state, the state, the state, it responds to whoever can basically fund the politicians' coffers. Exactly. And that seems to be what the problem is. When I read through this article, is that it's is they each have all these different complaints. But what it comes down to is. Willamette Valley Wine Growers Association has more money to give to the politicians, and now the politicians are doing what they want rather than what the other growers want. And we see this. Yeah, basically, it's people using it's it's that you know the classic attack on capitalism where they people want to point out the fact that like oh like this is how capitalism works like no this is how government works yeah exactly it, it very much so yeah so it's like this is not this is not capitalism in action this is cronyism in action. Which is, you know, Jacob Hornbrewer actually talks about this quite a bit, uh, who is, I think, one of my one of my favorite uh, presidential candidates for the Libertarian Party, and uh, or my favorite, I guess that there's not really anybody else. I, I think it's the show's <laughs> favorite at this point, unless like, um, I can't believe I can't think of her name off the top of my oh, head. Oh, Mary Ruert. Um, yeah, unless Mary Ruert announced. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I bet you she'll endorse him too. She likes him, but uh, oh, I'm sure. But yeah, so like th- this is one of those things that like that we talk about as libertarians all the time, where it's like you think these things are capitalist; they're not capitalist. These are special interests that are basically private business, kind of that are basically harnessing the government to operate on there. And and it's logical that they do it too, so, mm-hmm. because it's it's there. If they don't harness it, somebody else is going to harness it, and it could be against them, so they don't know. And exactly, it's they're hedging their bets. Right, exactly. So, so we see there's like a lot of a lot of uh, kind of infighting going on in Oregon right now, although less than places like California and, uh, I mean, even Texas. There's, there, I wouldn't say there's infighting going on in Texas, but there's a little bit of a divide on some of the 100% Texas grown regulations. Uh, now, fortunately for Texas people, is our legislature only meets every two years, so. <laughs> you know things don't things just don't happen very fast here. So, 
so I, I don't know. I thought I'd put that out there. I think it's interesting. The article, it, it's called uh, Oregon Wines Civil Civil War, and civil is twice. So because it's they're being very polite so far. <laughs> and uh, But a lot of it is that is that people who want to grow stuff besides Chardonnay and Pinot Noir are just not really happy with what the Willamette Valley Wine Growers Association is doing. And mm-hmm. uh, so we'll keep an eye on that and kind of keep everybody up to date. And yeah. that's all I've got in our notes today. Anything else you want to get into, Mason? Well, besides, you know, you can always follow us at uh, tastinganarchy at gmail.com. If you want to, well, follow us, send us an email, tastinganarchy on Twitter. Um, yes, tastinganarchy.com, where we have our site. Um, outside of that, I think it's uh, stay free. All right, everybody, stay free. Stay free. Drinking half gallons and calling for more. Drinking wine, spoody, you to drink wine. Mop, mop. Wine, spoody, you to drink wine. Mop, mop. Wine, spoody, you to drink wine. Mop, mop. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Drink it, man. Oh, give me some of that slop. Oh, pass that bottle to me. If you want to get along in Peter's town, buy some wine and pass it around. The age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. Elderberry. Wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Wine, wine, wine. Horton Sherry. Wine, wine, wine. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gilsey at Willie's Den. He wasn't selling but American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hit that cat for a dollar and a dime. I drink a wine for you to drink wine. Mop, mop. Wine for you to drink wine. Mop, mop. Wine for you to drink wine. Mop, mop. Pass that bottle to me. Now I got a nickel. Have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Some by fifth and some by four. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine for you to drink wine. Mop, mop. Wine for you to drink wine. Mop, mop. Wine for you to drink wine.